Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Jackson Interaction Podcast. I'm your host, the king of all wrestling media, Gene Jackson. Excited to get back into podcasting, the old one-on-one interviews. It's been a while since I did one of these. And so for my first episode, uh, I knew exactly who I wanted to talk to, a guy I've been wanting to interview again uh, for a while. I had him on a couple times on Locals to Legends Wrestling Radio. Uh, he had some fun stories, uh, and so I thought, man, he's done a hell of a lot since then, so there's no telling what all he's got to tell us now. So let's bring him on right now. My guest is going to be the martyr of the loss, the leader of the Wasted Generation, Sean Christopher. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <clears throat> I'm doing well on this, uh, this Sunday evening. Gene Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, fresh off a trip to Mississippi last night with the violent gentleman, uh, Xanders and Scott Morgan. We had some fun over there, did the uh, EPW TV and saw our mutual friend TJ over there who's, who's shooting the TV over there. So uh, haven't made a trip in a little while. So that was fun to get back out there and uh, experience the wrestling fans now that there's actually fans out there. And so I think we'll... Uh, you know, I think we'll kind of lead with that. I mean, I know that there was a kind of a short time period there where wrestling here just kind of stopped. We didn't really do the, you know, shows with no fans thing like they did on, you know, on TV. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there was a break in there where we couldn't have shows and then the shows came back and the crowds have been kind of up and down with the pandemic and all that shit. So just what has been your experience? How has the the dreaded pandemic affected the, the life and career of Sean Christopher? Well, um, <clears throat> I guess I'm like, uh, at first, like, it really sucked because it's like everything just stopped out of nowhere. And I had like, I remember I had like the SCI, there was like something with the SCI that was uh, supposed, that I was supposed to do. And I had like a couple like cool bookings that I was like super looking forward to before. Yeah. And- I'll just kind of like shut it all down but then also at the same time it kind of gave me a chance to reflect like on what i was doing at the time which is nothing like i'm doing now and just reflect like is this is really what i want to do like is this what i want sean christopher to be and uh so yeah so like it has its positives and negatives like i did do a few of like the <clears throat> the no uh fan wrestling shows but they at least have wrestlers there that, that were uh i mean sometimes better than the actual like fans who were just... <laughs> they knew how to react and what they should be doing exactly the fans are sitting on their phones like fucking 50 percent of the show <laughs> yeah so like those were weird but uh i mean it's cool to have fans back but i've also kind of like been spoiled of like not being around you know the fans as far as like very close like contact interact right with the people. So I've, I was a little spoiled by that. Now, like it all just getting like shoved back in my face. There's like all these people just coming up to me, pretending like we didn't <laughs> not still currently going through a pandemic It's a little strange, but it'll just take some adjusting. <clears throat> yeah. Cause like, it, it seems like here recently, everybody's woke up one day, like, you know what? We're done with this shit. We're just going to act like none of this happened and it's not going on. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can see from when you're dealing with the amount of people you guys are, how that could uh, be worrisome, uh, to say the least. Um, you kind of touched on something there and kind of what I, I wanted kind of the crux of the interview to sort of be. 
I, I'm getting old now, so it's getting to the point where there's a lot of guys like you that I know from the very beginning, even somewhat, you know, before you before you ever stepped foot in the ring as a wrestler, you know, when you were a ring announcer, I've known you since then up to now. And I mean, the evolution of Sean and Christopher from ring announcer to Greenhorn Militia to, you know, the the original incarnation of Wasted Generation of, you know, you and Kevin Ryan and then to uh, Kudo Death Society and then that dissolved to the man we see today um, has been an interesting journey, uh, to say the least. But, um, you know, I know when, you know, when Crunk went away and all of a sudden the ADS just kind of dissolved, I mean, I, I'm, I don't think, I don't know, I'm just speculating, but I don't think that's probably was something that was planned out far in the future. It's kind of like, well, he's gone. Fuck we do now. And so I know there were some people that were, you know, like when you first turned, you know, you, you were kind of on your own and you kind of formed this, this stable of your own, even though y'all had previously used the name Wasted Generation, obviously the current incarnation of Wasted Generation in no way resembles what, what that was before. Um, you know, there was a lot of people going, well, you know, Sean, he's a good wrestler and he's a good supporting player, but is he going to be able to be a leader? Is he going to be able to be the guy? And uh, I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because you're my guest, but it's one of the reasons I want you on here. Um, I've been impressed and I've heard a lot of people talk about how impressed they've been with how you were able to immediately step up and be the guy. And I really enjoy the whole presentation, you know, the change in look, the change in gear and gimmick. And then, you know, you added Ravina and, uh, Braden and Sean Campbell and all that. And it just came together really quickly. Like, I didn't see I didn't see any New South for a little bit, and then I turned it on, and I'm like, "Whoa, where did where the hell did this come from?" You know, and I and I saw the match at, at the Hoss, and I think I even messaged you at the time. I was like, "Holy shit, dude! I love it. I love the music, like everything about it. I don't know how much time you spent laying all that out, but it came together well, and just kind of tell us how that all came together and kind of what the concept of it was." So, like, yeah, you were right. It was, uh, like, as far as the Chris Crunk leaving thing, that was uh, not something that was, like, super far in advance. I think, like, maybe we had, like, two shows before when we knew, like, we knew that was happening and then that I was doing the whole, like, turn on everybody and be a heel guy. And then from that point, like, up until that show, that's when we were, like, I was just forced to, like, me and fucking Donnie Janella in the in the lab trying to figure out like okay what the fuck do I do now though like how do I step out of this and <clears throat> like like you said because like there's a lot of expectations like when you know someone fucking turns out of a group or whatever like oh this guy's like got to be elevated or like you don't either that or they're just gonna drown like there's right. expectations either way so we I knew I couldn't just like be just regular ass Sean Christopher anymore. I had to be something more. And Donnie, for real, like he helped me with a lot of like the early stages. But even if you watch, like, I think the Haas tournament is when like everything like clicked. So it's like good that you missed all the awkward in between stuff. <laughs> November to like March, there's like this weird, like Sean Christopher, but not really Sean Christopher. Like it's like going on. 
where like the song's there and there's like a little bit of the presence, but like it hasn't really like you can tell that something hasn't like clicked yet. Right. And then <clears throat> throughout the Haas tournament, like the story, like I, I don't know if like how well it was like projected to everyone else, but the story I was trying to tell through the like through the tournament was that you know, on the first day, I had the fucking crazy hardcore match with Matt Justice, and he throws me off a fucking scaffold through some fucking plywood, which is terrible. I still have a fucking scar on my back, the letter U, just like around my hip, and I, I don't even know from, but I know it's from that. Jeez. So there's that. And then the next day, it's like a half-ass, like, like almost dead animal, basically, like limping to the ring to wrestle Kevin Ryan and then through Kevin Ryan pretty much puts Sean Christopher completely out, but then through shenanigans, of course, Sean Christopher still is able to win, but he's, it basically took everything out of him to do that. So then when Sean Christopher, Sean Christopher, the martyr of the law, Sean Christopher comes out for the finals, it's a completely different fucking human being now. It's like he's died. And he has been reincarnated in front of your very fucking eyes over two days. You watch the entire thing happen. Here is Sean Christopher. Now he thinks he's fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I think the story was told well. I think I think um, I think if anybody who watched it all, you know, over the course of those those couple of days, was able to kind of read that. I think that's that's how it was played. Um, yeah, I was, I was, when, when you came out for that, you know, for that match, I was like, holy shit, what is this? You know, and I know, you know, it got, it got a lot of good reaction and it got, it got, you know, as anything is, but especially when there's a, a, uh, implied Jesus element to it, you know, you're going to get a little flack in the South, you know, <laughs> but, um, overall, have you, I mean, did you get anything directly? Did like anybody really get like on your case? Like, Hey man, that's not cool. Or was it just kind of, oh, he's, he's mocking Jesus. You know, just kind of general. Uh, actually I think, um, there's like, uh, I think the beginning of new South no longer running in the JC arena was that night when they like, saw. Oh. like, I think that kind of like started the, the end of the JC arena, new South fucking, uh, thing. Because uh, I know that Billy Adams told me I was not not allowed to wear like any of the Jesus stuff after that, like in the JC Arena. So that was all banned immediately after like the first show. I know there was some dude allegedly uh, threatening my life, or like or something. He's like, I'm I'm waiting outside for him. <laughs> thing. Jesus. But uh, I I never saw him, so I, I don't know like how true it was. But apparently, you know, there's some threats on my life, and then. I know Billy Adams, the bad boy, fucking Alabama legend. If he doesn't want it, then you can't do it. So, no, I, that's that's funny you mentioned that because I was I've never really asked anybody, but I was kind of curious how the abrupt uh, exit of New South from JC Arena happened. What was the the culprit of that? And that kind of maybe explains that because I mean, I guess a lot of people don't know, but you know, JC Arena is short for Jesus Christ Arena, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that. Don't spread that around, people. That's not exactly true, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't cross the, the the legendary Billy Adams because yeah. you know he's a wrestling legend and he cuts grass for the city of Coleman, so he he carries a lot of stroke around here, or around there. I'm used to being in Coleman. Now I'm down in Gasden. I'll still say here, like I'm in freaking Coleman. Much greener pastures. 
Yeah, I was going to say, is it really a bad thing for New South to be out of the JC arena? Honestly, I mean, I realized at the time, um, I don't, you know, they were re redoing the the place at Hartsell and all that, and with everything going on, I mean, I guess it was kind of convenient to be there at the time, but. Boy, it was tough watching some of those shows and hearing, hey, we're here at the historic JC Arena. And I'm like, man, this place has been a fucking laughing stock for the last few years. And now, you know, we got it. I mean, I understand. What are you going to do? Like, yeah, we're at the shithole here in Hansville. But <laughs> but you could tell it was kind of strange. Some of the announcers were like, yeah, we got the Halls Tournament. We got Davey Boy Smith Jr. in the fucking JC Arena where Mickey Henry used to run. I'm like, damn, how long till we end up in the historic 10 building in Boaz if you know, <laughs> things go south? But, you know, you persevered and now y'all have moved on and, and you know, running uh, over here in Gasden and, you know, seeing some different places, which is which is cool. Because like I say, I, I don't think it was a bad thing that y'all left, even if even if it was because of you and your gimmick. Uh, maybe that should make you a hero at some point that you got, <laughs> you got New South out of the JC Arena. You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, I kind of skipped past it, but you, it made me think of something when you were talking about the injury. Uh, you know, you, you happened uh, happened in that Matt Justice match. Uh, backing up, uh, um, one match that I did see for sure um, was, and I want to say this was when it was you and Kevin were still teaming, and you guys were. I want to say wrestling. Brandon Williams and Dump. Oh, man. You know exactly. and I guess you know what's coming since I prefaced it with injury. That dive, that frontward dive off the top into that chair on the floor. Do you still feel that now when you're walking each day? Oh, yeah. Dude, that's <sighs> constantly reminded of that every single fucking day. I, like, I grunt when I bend over now and I, like, can't even control it. It just fucking comes out like a 55 year old man sitting down on a fucking recliner like i'm just but uh that's all like and the worst part complete accident like it looks real cool and like i like to like think yeah dude it was like definitely planned like that i'm just fucking crazy see everyone after that happened everyone labels me as like oh sean chris is fucking crazy he'll do anything but what they didn't know is that it was no way at all. If I would have known that that was the end result, would I have ever agreed to do that or come up with that? Because it was my fucking yeah. shit. But my theory was if I jump off the top and I hit like the top of the chair, I my back will land on that part and it will slap the concrete and make a loud ass noise, but I can just kind of roll off the top of the chair. What I didn't plan on is the chair not really being there at all yeah when i flipped so i just hit the straight fucking concrete and i remember every single fucking limb in my body just completely went numb and i was like oh great i'm laying here on the floor of the historic fucking jc (laughs) and because that's where you want your career to be ended Uh, how'd you end in that wheelchair well it all started at the jc arena in hansville (laughs) the same place is wrestling the executioner for the scpw fucking uh, that's right <laughs> I, man I, I yeah i remember watching that and 
And it was kind of one of those deals where I was doing something on the computer and watching it at the same time. And I just looked up right as you were going to the top. And I looked and I'm like, all right, he's going to the top. There's a chair. And Brandon's obviously getting ready to move here. You can see his legs already tensing up. Yeah. And when you dove, I was like, oh. And then you hit. I rewound it like three or four times. I was like, holy fuck. Like, oh, my God. How is he not going to be crippled after that? And, and when you when you were back up finishing the match, I was stunned. Because as soon as you hit the ground, I was like, Oh, that's it, man. Like he's going to be in a goddamn wheelchair. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing too, like guy, you know, all these guys, like I said, that I know that I've, I've kind of known from the beginning and, and watched your career is, and especially like my friends that do these dumbass death matches, oh, like my. it hurts me to watch you guys do crazy shit. Cause you know, like, <laughs> like, Oh God, man, don't do that. Don't no, No, don't, don't do that. Hey boy. Now you're watching me fucking flip 15 feet on this <laughs> concrete, the JC Arena. And you know it can't anyway. Like, as I see you about to dive, I'm like, there's no way this goes well. But like I said, I, I could kind of, and especially now that you've explained it, but even looking at him, I'm like, I think I know what he was going for there, but the chair just wasn't there. I mean, you essentially, like, just did a front flip just straight off on a concrete floor. And no padding, no, you know, not nothing. Just goddamn floor, like. Yeah, and as soon as you said something about injury, I'll go. Oh man, how do we skip past that? Because like ever since I saw that, I'm like, I, I got to Next time I talk to him, we got to talk about this because holy shit, he'll feel that the rest of his life, I'm sure. Oh yeah, and that's what spawned the Matt Justice thing, anyways. Because like that happened, and then like I said, everyone thinks like, oh Sean, this is a crazy motherfucker. We just got to book him in a fucking no no DQ match with this fucking madman. <laughs> Matt Justice is the craziest motherfucker I've ever met in my entire life. Ever. Legit. <laughs> ever. Yes, 100%. The man threw me off a fucking scaffold, didn't bat twice, and then was up partying until like 6 a.m. that morning. <laughs> like, I'm like, I remember Two Fly Tide told me, it was like, there was like a big moment of realization because it was like some like hoss after party that everyone was just like convening at. And, like, he's, like, I look over in this room, and I see, like, Sean Christopher just crumpled in the fucking floor almost in tears. And then I look over here, and Matt Justice is just fucking partying like a <laughs> And he's, like, I've never, like, just seen, like, two sides of the same <laughs> ever. You're, like, you're, you either end up this guy or you end up that guy. But there's there's not a lot of middle ground there. That's <laughs> that's crazy. Um yeah, and that's the thing too. Like when you have some spectacular bump like that, the you know, people talk about it, and you know, because when it when it happened, I was watching, it and I'm like, well, he couldn't have got bad hurt because this is pre-recorded. Like it would have been all over Facebook if he broke his shit and you know yeah. went out in an ambulance or something. Like, so I know he's okay, but I don't know how. But like that's the only thing is like if you become labeled that crazy bump guy, like you said, then that's when people are like, well, you know. People are going to expect Sean to take a crazy bump because that's what he does. And yeah. you end up like Mick Foley and have to dive off a goddamn hell in a cell because how do you keep topping yourself? So I'm glad you found a way to kind of taper off from that a bit and that didn't become your thing. It's like, well, it's a, each bigger event, Sean has to do a bigger bump until we just manage to just break dead. him in half, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, the Hoss thing was, I guess, yeah, like you say, is kind of where the gimmick kicked off and it just kind of took on a whole new life. And so 
How did you come about, Lane? Was it your decision who was a part of the wasted generation or just kind of was they were like, hey, these guys are here. Make that work. I mean, because I, I know you're friends with Braden and, and everything. And, and so I'm just kind of curious how that came about, if, if you really got to choose those guys or that was, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to kill your gimmick. If you're like, oh man, they stuck them with me and here we are. <laughs> I just think there's gotta be a fun story about how it came together is what I'm getting at. Uh, I mean, there kind of is actually because uh, ironically enough, like, or not ironically enough, but fucking when New South, like uh, they started running the JC arena, <clears throat> then uh bad boy, Billy Adams wanted to start his uh, bad boy pro show. But he wanted Dump Sanders to book it. And Dump Sanders, like, mess or Dump Sanders was like sending people to like try to find like people to book on the Bad Boy Pro shows. And uh, someone had messaged me and asked me, like, hey, do you know anyone from like <clears throat> that would like want to work this Bad Boy Pro, like that you would want to work this Bad Boy Pro show? Because like knowing that it was like kind of like a gateway into New South and uh, I picked three people. One was a guy named Ryan Piles, and then the other two were Braden Toon and Sean Campbell. I was like, those are the three people that, like, if you're going to put on this show, because these are three people that I want to see <clears throat> on New South and, like, be able to, like, grow and progress there. So, and then, like, they were all booked on the fucking first show. Ryan Piles got injured, like, before, so he wasn't able to, like, actually make the Bad Boy Pro shows when Dump Sanders was booking him. Right. But, yeah. And when Braden Toon like got on that way, and then Dump Sanders like fell in love with Sean Campbell <clears throat> on the first day because Sean Campbell's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> and yeah, then they started booking them on the New South shows. And then finally, like I had heard that they kind of wanted them to be put with me. Like I've heard, I heard like murmurs. And then also, uh, JD Rush was a number, was it like a he's a he's one that didn't make it like past the cut. He's one of the wasted gen members, like you didn't see. Cause he was like, supposed to be, and like he did this like entire like heel turn and everything, and then like just he never was there ever again. Wow, <laughs> I don't know what happened. I like I don't know the inside scoop on the quick departure of JD Rush, but I know that at one point he was like being built, be put in the waste of generation, and then all of a sudden he just wasn't anymore. So, but yeah, it was like kind of like a lot of. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of, like, Dump Sanders and Donnie, like, their ideas. And then they wanted, like, a female in the group. And originally, uh, Morgana, or Ravenna, actually turned the spot down, like, originally. She was like, no. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, dick move. (laughs) She originally, like, turned it down uh, because she just, uh, I don't don't know. I don't know. She just didn't want to. And I was like, cool, whatever. So then they, like, started pitching, like, other people. And then finally I was like, I just, like, can't imagine this, like, without, like, her being in it. Because she just fit it so perfect. And she was, like, at all the New South shows anyways. I was like, it just doesn't make sense why why we wouldn't. So I just, like, asked her one more time. I was like, hey, like, if you want to do this, it would just be real cool. And I'd just be real happy about it. Finally, she was like, all right, whatever, dude. I'll fucking do your little stuff. Go in your dumb little fucking cold. <laughs> now here we That was the plan all along. Well, that's some fun what ifs there. Of uh, JD Rush could have been a prominent member, and uh, Ravina could have not even been in it. So, wow. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting you brought that up. Was that, it was described to me at one point 
that Bad Boy Pro was going to be the OVW of New South. And essentially, you know, like OVW did for WWE back in the day, where guys would go there and then they would work themselves up to the main roster, if you will. And I guess that was kind of effective in some ways because, uh, you know, like you said, Sean Campbell and Brayden Toon started out there and they ended up in your group. And then those body shop guys were pretty prominent over there and they're like tag team champions now. So... I guess that paid off, but again, was the was that was the bad boy pro thing no longer being intertwined with New South all tied in with the losing the building and all all that just kind of went away at once. I think uh, Billy Adams was like, "Man, I want to run Bad Boy Pro by myself," and Dump Sanders was like, "All right, man. Well, I guess I just won't use your building anymore." I guess I don't I don't really know, but I yeah, it like I know the the Jesus Christ imagery was a big no no that they hated. Uh, and definitely the fucking the bad boy pro new south relationship was an issue, and then cussing like they didn't like us cussing before the shows because like they would have like at like 2 p.m. they for whatever reason have like their fucking 12 nieces and nephews running around the fucking building while the entire wrestling trying to be set up, right? Cussing at each other because everyone's trying to set up a wrestling ring, and that's not an easy process whatsoever, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those, you might manage to get guys to not cuss on a show, but you're not going to get them to not cuss before the show, after the show, and in the back. So that's just not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and if anybody should know that, Bad Boy Billy Adams should be around long enough to know that's just part of the deal. But yeah, the old Bad Boy. Well, look, I mean, look at Bad Boy Pro now. I mean, it's just. Uh, on a cavalcade of superstars uh, going on over there. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the <laughs> amazing Bad Boy Pro show. Yeah. Enhanceful. You have to go to another podcast to, to do that. But uh, anyway, we'll get, we'll get back on track here. So this year, man, you've uh, it's been a banner year for Sean Christopher. Like I say, you know, the the stable has come together and you've had some big matches, you know, including, you know, that, including that one with Matt Justice. Uh I watched one recently you had with Dan Housen, who's blowing up huge on the independent scene this year. Um, and I was like, oh, that's all. Like, I turned on that episode and was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Sean's wrestled Dan Housen. So, what, how, how was that? Tell us about that experience. Um, incredible. Dan Housen is such, like, such a class act, such a, like, a great just guy. And, and he's so easy to work with. We, like, pretty much had the entire, like, match put together and then, like, five minutes like we looked at each other we spoke for like <clears throat> spoke back and forth like just threw some things back and forth and like then we just walked away and then we came back like a couple hours for the match and just like no like it was just easy it was like super easy being in there with him and this was also like i think i wrestled him and then like literally the day afterwards the like conan or the conan podcast came out with him on it yeah the rock started talking about him and then like <laughs> Started talking about him because, like, I'm almost like, oh, this is Dan Housen. Like, it's a big deal. He's on ROH and he's like this huge indie star. And then, like, right afterwards, I'm like, oh my God, like, everyone fucking is talking about Dan Housen. There's like, what? He, uh, <clears throat> he told me that I was like, Mordecai, if Mordecai didn't suck. <laughs> like, that's, that's high praise, actually, because that character had so much potential. Yeah, you know, and you could tell the way they led into it 
they had high hopes and, and, you know, good intentions for him. But unfortunately I just don't think the guy portraying him was able to carry out what they wanted. So that's a, yeah, that's actually a pretty big compliment. I would think. I was like, that's the best phrase I could possibly get. Mordecai, <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> if you ever put, the re- put a resume together, you've got to put that on there. Danhausen said, "I was like Mordecai. Mordecai didn't suck." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, like they're saying now that I guess Bray Wyatt's like tweeted out some stuff implying that he would like to team with Danhausen when he comes back oh. to wrestling and all this shit. So yeah, I mean that dude is blowing He's- up huge. Yeah, dude, talk they really has one of just like and I think like he's one of the people that the pandemic like kind of like benefited in a way because he's just so entertaining online which where like people just have nothing else to do and they're like not they can't go to any wrestling shows. They could just fucking watch little like forty five second clips of Danhausen saying stupid shit on the internet through like the entirety of twenty twenty. And then he became everyone's favorite wrestler. And then when wrestling came back, he was booked everywhere. And everyone was like, oh, he's a good wrestler, too. As long as- oh, exactly. <laughs> like, because that's how I came. That's how I came aware of him was watching, like, clips on YouTube. And I'd probably seen 50 Danhausen videos before I ever even saw him inside of a ring. Yeah. And then when I saw him, like, the, like the Mike Bennett match, I think is what I saw first from uh, no. when he came to New South. And I was like. Holy shit! Because you just assume when somebody has that much of a gimmick, they're like, "All right, well, he's compensating for something." He, you yeah. know, it's just it's completely a gimmick. I'm sure it's all comedy when he gets in the ring, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Then when you got in, you see him fucking work. Like, oh my god, this guy—he <laughs> yeah. don't even really need the gimmick. I mean, it definitely helps. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like. I think a lot of people should have followed that you know, during the, the pandemic when so many people were sitting at home, whether they were quarantined or their work was shut down or whatever, if people would have pumped out a lot more videos and stuff uh, to get their characters over, yeah. I think a lot of people probably could have had that kind of payoff when the fans came back, but he certainly cashed in on more than anybody I've seen. Yeah, I definitely him and like Effie, I know Effie yeah. like was already like a, like a deal before then, but he like really blew up when he started doing like his Twitch streaming and everyone just saw like how fucking ridiculous and entertaining that guy is. I wish then like that I had already like had this entire idea and like could have actually like put out stuff for it. But instead I just like sat around playing fucking Holler <laughs> Franks for months. <laughs> Sweet. I don't have to be anywhere this weekend. I'm going to fucking <laughs> exactly. not think about this wrestling shit for a minute, which there's something to be said for that too. But <laughs> So, uh, so what's some other matches you've had uh, this past year that's really stood out and, you know, <clears throat> made a difference for you? Um, I mean, I wrestled Cabana Man Dan twice once and like the, it's like the difference between the two matches that were really like kind of stands out is that I wrestled him in December of like 2020 and I remember at the end of that match I was fucking exhausted like blown sky the fucking high and you could tell like watching like when I watch your back I was like Jesus Christ like I'm moving like sluggish I'm like missing shit slipping on stuff I like at one point I, like, <laughs> I went to like do this cool little, you know that like thing Leo Rush does where he like bounces off the bottom rope on his ass and like hits a stunner. Yeah, I went to like do something like that. No, I just slipped right out the fucking ring. It's like oh shit, <laughs> <things ever. laughs> 
and then I have to just scramble to like. But anyways, like that match is just like it's it was good, like and I thought it was good at the time, but then going back and rewatching it and comparing it to the one I had like in June with Dan, now that I'm like like from because from December to June I've lost like fucking almost fifty pounds at this point. Just like actually I just like I actually started going to the gym. Like people ask me, like, man, Sean, like what are you doing? Like what kind of crazy stuff? And I'm like, I just like started going to the gym finally. Like I just never went before. And then I just like I stopped drinking soda and just drink a fucking probably an unhealthy amount of water every single day. And just, yeah, but just the difference between those. So like that Dan match, I'm really proud of. And now Dan, even fucking Dan is like blowing up now and he's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Place. Like he's been on like the cusp of that for like the past three years. But now it seems like he's finally like breaking through and like moving up. He's booked fucking all over the place every week. But, yeah, so that match with Dan was really good. I had a match with Should Be. I, I was real proud of but it wasn't even recorded, so that kind of, like, sucks. It was, like, un-televised un top-shelf shows. Yeah. <clears throat> but that was fun. I had a match with Kenzie Page that I really enjoyed this past year. Uh, we just, like, beat the dog shit out of each other. That was fun. And I got a, I got my stuff with Chris Frank. I don't know. Oh yeah, I wrestled Logan Creed in a casket match. How the fuck? Did yeah, I was, about, I was going to bring up your feud with Logan Creed because you had a few matches there. But yeah, especially the yeah. casket match. I mean. Yeah, I got to do a fucking casket match, which is fucking awesome. I'm like the biggest Undertaker fan <laughs> imaginable, and to be able to fucking wrestle a casket match with like a fucking giant of a human being is just like a dream come true for me so i can't forget that was fucking and he's blowing up now too you know <laughs> yeah logan creed finally fucking after a ridiculous amount of fucking time he was telling me that he used to like send vhs tapes to promoters like that's how long he's been wrestling wow i was like damn like and you're just now like you, someone is finally recognizing like the fucking talent that has been just sitting here for all these years. It shows how much wrestling has changed. Because I mean, a few years ago, I mean, it would have been like it, it, like a ride at an amusement park. Like if he was at the back of the line, they're like, "Oh, you're six foot nine, and you can actually work." And come on, you're going, you're going to skip past all these guys and go straight to the front of the fucking line. Yeah. And somehow Creed stayed stuck in that line all this time, and every time I see him, like how the hell is this guy not on TV somewhere, you know, with his size and his ability? So it's like you say, it's good to see somebody's finally, finally noticing before he's, you know, got frustrated and said, fuck it. And, yeah. you know, went home, you know, so that'd be a fucking huge waste. Absolutely. <clears throat> but yeah, man, Logan Creed was crazy. That dude's fucking, that's another goddamn psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. And you blinded him in one eye anyway. Yeah, so he he'll he'll never be back at New South for sure. There's no way like he'll come back with any like new character or anything. He's just <laughs> some big tall guy shows up. It's not Logan Creed. If he's, I mean, some dude in the mask shows up that's kind of built like him, can't be because yeah. Sean Christopher took him out. Yeah, he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew when I heard when I heard the, the casket match advertised, I was like. Oh, Sean's shitting bricks, man. I'm like, because <laughs> I know, I mean, every, everybody knows, you know, your Undertaker fandom. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be his dream match right here. Crazy enough, like, Dump Sanders messaged me and was like, hey, what kind of match do you want to, like, wrestle Logan Creed in? And I, like, sent, I was like, we could do, like, some sort of, because, like, not in my wildest fucking dreams, I think we'd be able to do a casting match. And then I was like, 
we could do like some sort of like no DQ fucking two out of three falls or something and like I can just kind of like give it like a fucking spooky name and then we can just like be done with it and pretend like it's something bigger than it is and then he's like oh we already have like a no DQ match so like think of something else he was like well, it could do anything because it's the anniversary show and I was like when you say anything then my <laughs> goes like okay like how crazy can we really get so I sat back like casket match and I was like but like not expecting it at all. And then like 20 minutes later, I get a reply and he's like, yep, like we're getting started on my casket right now. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm really about to wrestle Logan Green in the fucking casket match. What a fucking, yeah, that was, that was insane. Nice. So you should have left, you should have been like, well, either a Hell in a Cell or a casket match. And then Dump's like, we could probably make a casket, but goddamn Hell in a Cell would be a <laughs> tall order. But you got it anyway. You didn't even have to do that. So. Yeah. That <laughs> works out. So, you know, coming up this Saturday night, you've got a big match against a guy you've got a lot of history with. We've mentioned him a couple of times in passing in this interview. Um, but, you know, your first major heel turn uh, when when you and Kevin Ryan joined up with Chris Crunk as part of, you know, Kudo Death Society, which they were already kind of cooking there you know him and donnie had gotten that over and then you guys joined up and uh then as chris crunk does i'm not gonna go in you know go say a lot about it to get any shit stirred up but as chris crunk does he suddenly was gone and uh like i said that's which wasn't a bad thing because you know that was one of the questions i had for you had had crunk stayed and kudo death society continued in the path it was on at the time and whatever plans y'all had before that kind of curveball came, do you think you would be where you're at right now character wise had, had he stuck around this whole time? No, there's nowhere like nowhere near. And I remember like at the time, like when the breakup was like first told to like all of us, it seemed like it was the fucking like end of the world. Like it was the absolute worst possible thing that could have like could have happened at the time. And I was like, man, there's like, like Chris Crunk's gone, and like he he like we actually like didn't speak to each other for almost an entire year. Me and Chris Crunk like after that, like he didn't speak to me because he thought that that like I had initiated the the like getting rid of Chris Crunk thing when that, mm. I mean, well, <laughs> for legal reasons, that's 100% true, but for real, it's not true at all. But, you know, if the, you ask the martyr of the law, Sean Christopher on the street, if he, yeah, yeah for sure he did. But <laughs> uh, uh, as human beings, no, I did not want Chris Crunk to like no longer be at New South at all. So, but like, so we really didn't, Hey, your sound's gone. Okay, am I? There we go. Now you're okay. back. I got a phone call from some fucking stupid ass spam call from Ohio. They fucking like I get like thirty five spam calls a day, and I hate it. So, a fucking extended warranty, man. They're trying to help you out. Yeah, trying to extend that shit. <laughs> Fuck spam calls. Donnie Janella have ruined me on phone calls. I will like never answer phone calls ever now because of that. They <laughs> fucking. Me and Chris, Chris Crunk didn't talk, but I think, like, if we would have continued on the 
like ADS path and just like seeing where that, like, I don't entirely know like where that would be, like where we would be at that point. I know that I would probably be still like background character ADS member number three, because I didn't know how to like break out from that while being compared to like Kevin Ryan, who's like so over the top when it comes to like his wrestling and like his mannerisms and like all these things that it's hard to like compete with that. And then Chris Crunk is like, he's like a big storyteller and he's like got these emotions and like he can talk and like all these things. And it's like hard to compete like with those two right next to me. So I needed to break away from that, find who Sean Christopher actually is. And now we can all work together instead of like, we're all three trying to like one up each other the entire time. Yeah. So I think it was I, mean, yeah, I, I think y'all probably would have found your way there, but I, you know, at the time it kind of struck me. I knew there had to be more to the story because I'm like, there's a lot more left. Like ADS still had a lot more life left in it. It felt like, like, well, we're doing this early. Like, you know, there's there's a lot more they could have done with these guys. Um, and I thought, you know, you maybe you and Kevin still needed a little more time in that kind of role before you broke off and and you know, took on a bigger one, but it worked out. I mean, you were up, you were up for the task, but um, yeah, that was certainly a concern at the time. Like, Oh, this, this probably needs to hang around a little longer, you know? Yeah, we, we did too. Like, because like I said, it it took, it still took like four or five months for like any of the new stuff to even like click in my head or like register with the fans or like finally start connecting with like at all, because you're right. Like I still needed like that time, to like still learn about like who the fuck I am and who I want to be like post ADS and just, <clears throat> but like, yeah, it did have that. Uh, I at least had that like four or five month break where like it, I, I was able to find it a long right. time. I like fucking just getting thrown into the fire. It's like, Hey, go fucking you're on your own fucking action clash every single week, cutting promos now. Like, and here's this new character. Good luck. But but sometimes that's what it takes is just being thrown into the fire and, uh, you know, you either thrive or you burn up and you you thrive. So that's cool. And now Chris Crunk has found his way back to New South. And so obviously Crunk shows back up. What's what's the obvious story that you got to tell? You know, I mean, he's got, he's got unfinished business here with uh, one of his, his former stable mates. And so here we are. And so tell me about Tell me about this match y'all got coming Saturday night. I've, I've seen some things online, and I'm like, holy shit, this has the potential of sounding like it could have some another uh, crazy, something crazy going on in it. Ooh, yeah, you're right. So it's fucking stairway to hell match, which, like, I don't really know what the fuck it means. I know at <laughs> least that there's, like, fucking devilish, like, evil-looking weapon that I now carry with me that I don't have with me now, which, like, sucks. Sean Campbell has, he has stolen it. So he has it in his possession. Hopefully he will have it in his possession on Saturday, October the 30th, or he might be hanging something else from the top of the fucking <laughs> But, like, I have this weapon now that I introduced, like, uh, at the last show, because obviously, like, you know how it is, man. Like, I introduced a weapon, then now there's, like, a match out of it. Like, right. Wrestling work, so I fucking have this thing. Uh, it's got nails in it. It has some fucking chains hanging. It's like really just a big ass piece of wood with some weird shit on it. 
So but it's evil, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's got some power. <laughs> we're assuming, you know. Fucking yeah, it's got Paul Bear, just fucking Undertaker's ashes <laughs> down in the fucking wood. But that's getting hung fucking 150 fucking feet in the air in the Sparkman Civic Center because that's the highest fucking like building that we've run. So I'm glad that I have the fucking honor and privilege to be climbing a fucking big ass like not a championship. Now it's a fucking stick. And from what I've found or what other people have found, a stairway to hell match, apparently the weapon that is typically or that's suspended is typically also wrapped in barbed wire and like you're supposed to unwrap the barbed wire from the weapon before you get it down i don't know if that's like a clause in this it was i was not informed about it i just like somebody sent it to me like is this what this stairway to hell match is and i was like well you know more than i do well let's hope not i can't imagine current would be excited about having to unwrap barbed wire from it first either i don't like y'all might be able to both vote that day even though you hate each other and you're in this embroiled in this feud like let's just agree we don't need fucking barbed wire invited you know (laughs) in this party you know (laughs) so if it's essentially a ladder match with a fucking with a weapon the person that gets it down use it but then here's what i'd never really get about these matches is like the person that gets it down can use it but like the person that is down there and like doesn't do the work can kind of just like reverse what they do and take the weapon from them and then like everyone's fucked i think exactly so i don't know but like i'm in it so that's that's what i know and i'm gonna try my fucking damnedest to climb that ladder and i'm gonna try to grab that fucking thing and i'm gonna try not to fall off of because, I mean, strategy-wise, if I'm managing Sean Christopher going into this match Saturday night, I'm pulling you aside and be like, look, it ain't whoever gets it first wins. It's whoever gets it first uses it. Let Crunk climb up there and threat, you know, bust his ass and fall off or whatever the fuck. Let him bring it down. Then as soon as he brings it down, me and Toon and C- Campbell will all jump on him and we'll get it away from him. Then you just beat the hell out of him and then you'll win. And boom. Not, to sp- not Hopefully that's not a spoiler. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and edit this out if, if it turns out that's the, you're like a oh, wow dude way to ruin the fucking match but but uh yeah because you know that that was always something because you know back in the day before ladder matches became popular you know in the, the olden days when i was going to columbus mississippi and watching live wrestling matches you know they had pole matches and they'd have those yeah. coal miners glove or whatever kind of weapon on top of the pole and same deal Whoever climbs up there and gets it down can use it, but then if they get it taken away from them, they get used on them. But, you know, ladder match, if the Intercontinental title hang, is hanging up there, or if two Intercontinental titles are hanging up there, because somehow we ended up with an extra one, you get up there and unsnap that bad boy, it's over. You've yeah. won. Now the, the shit's just beginning. Once you get that down, now you got to go try to use it, not get it taken away from you, and possibly unwrap it out of barbed wire, it sounds like. Yeah. So... Like, if there's barbed wire wrap, like, that's an even, like, an extra element of, like, why would I even attempt it? Like, I could just yeah. do all the work, get his fucking shit just cut up by all this barbed wire, and then he's easy picking. <laughs> yeah, you just pick the, <laughs> pick the bones afterwards. Like, and then I have something else I've always wondered about these kind of matches, too, from a psychology standpoint. Do you have to go up there and get it? I mean, if you just happen to schoolboy crunk and pull his tights and get a pin, can it end? Or do we have to get this thing down and somebody has to get hit with it? Yeah, for real. <laughs> nope. 
I think, I think these are fair questions you should probably ask before the bell rings Saturday, you know? Yeah, I'm going to wait until, like, after the entrances and everything, and then I'm just going like, to be like, wait a goddamn minute. I've got a few things I need to clear up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. it, it, I mean, it definitely uh, definitely is going to – I mean, it's one of those matches where when you describe all those elements and Sean Christopher's involved, you're like – well, some crazy shit's going to happen. We're going to need to buy a ticket. We're going to need to go down there and see this because you've got all this bad blood. And like you said, at this point now, we've got a, over a year that this is has all, you know, boiled over in the time since he went away and y'all split up. And then now he's back. And, uh, you know, I, I figured there's an element of, hey, you know, you've been gone for a year and I've been here busting my ass and yeah. doing what I can to uh, – become the man you're not just gonna stroll back in here and beat my ass you know sure. you, you're, you're gonna you're gonna fucking you know work your way up the ladder literally apparently saturday <laughs> night so there's a there's a lot of elements to the story so um and that's and that's one thing i'll say for new south um you guys are good at telling stories it's it's not just you know on so many indie shows it's just all about the spots and it's all just you know about matches but you guys do do a good job of telling stories and drawing people in and people kind of have to follow along because they, you know, they do. I mean, like I say, this is a story now that's played out for over a year. What other indie can you say in recent times have had storylines that stretch out, you know, for over a year before you finally see some kind of payoff to it. So, yeah. So speaking of uh, other indies, so I know recently, um, you've been over in Georgia at a couple of Southern Honor shows. It's been said online. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, that's not secret. I've seen. No. I've seen Mister. Uh, uh, God, I'm blanking out his name. He's been on the show before. Uh, who's the guy that does all the reports over there? Larry Goodman. Good Larry Goodman. Uh, so that was in, it. Was in Larry Goodman's report. So I figure it's public knowledge. Yeah. But uh, so, what was your? You know. What was your opinion of just being backstage and seeing how the show was ran and everything? What was what was your opinion? I mean, you don't have to compare and contrast it to New Style because I mean that's your main show, but just you know, going over there and and having worked as many shows as you have across the South, uh, what was your opinion of Southern Honor and uh, what was your takeaway from it? Um, I actually like I really enjoy like the locker room over there at least, like the people, like all the performers are like real cool. Uh, for the most part, like there is, I mean, everywhere has like, oh, like, yeah. like fuck them. But, uh, it's actually ran like, uh, it's so weird. Cause it's like a super tight, like tightly run ship, but also like the inmates are running the asylum all like kind of at the same time to where mm -hmm. like, uh, there's like a sheet that's like real detailed, like way more detailed than like I would ever see. Pretty much anywhere else I've I've wrestled, but like super detailed, like what the finish and like kind of like what throughout the match, things like that that I yeah. see at other places. Um, but also, it just seems like my, for the most part, like some of those are like use the suggestions as opposed to like concrete what they are. Right. So, um, <clears throat> specifically, like the last show, I was uh, there was like this big like eight man or fucking I don't know, six man like cage match or whatever. And I was like reading <clears throat> the match like just ended and I'd watch the finish. 
and I went back and just like read the sheet and I was reading the finish and I was like, this is what's like so weird. Cause like none of this happened <laughs> on this sheet. Like none of that happened. Like it's like nothing even resembling it happened. So like, I don't, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So like, it's like not a bad place. Uh, Gary Lamb, you know, like Jesus Christ, man. It's like he just talks a lot of shit. Yes. But, like at the end of the day, like I don't really, uh, like associate like speak to him ever when i'm there he like casually says hello to like morgana like and that's pretty much all i see of him yeah uh so like i i kind of i enjoyed it i enjoyed it more than i like thought i would originally when it was all like fuck southern honor and fucking new south for life brother when that was the fucking Uh, yeah that was the thing that had to happen Everyone had to pick sizes on the Alabama wrestling war. Bullshit. I was like, they're all the way over there in Georgia. These guys are in Alabama. Obviously, somebody from New South left that fucking shirt over there because Gary Lamb didn't buy a goddamn New South hoodie to put it on the toilet. So somebody left it there. And we can kind of do the math on who from New South was wrestling there at the time, who could have accidentally left it there or on purpose or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't notice how. I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand how that blew up like it did. But then again, how does any of this shit that ever get stirred up, you know, get blown yeah. up? And because it's it's shit that doesn't matter. Like it's not like you guys are really in any kind of competition. Yeah, you're both on IWTV, but you're not fighting for. You know, you're not airing on the same night. You're not fighting for the same crowd. So why? But like you said, Gary's a big shit talker. I mean, we had him on the men's. Anders had him on the show. Who did you? Yeah, yeah, about a year ago. Uh, right in the midst of all that, honestly, is when that was kind of at the height of that shit. And I didn't know the guy from Adam. Xander's invited him on. He's like, hey, I'm going to get Larry, Larry, uh, I mean, not Larry, fucking uh, Gary Lamb from Southern Honor to come on. I'm like, who the fuck's that? I didn't. I really wasn't familiar with them. I'd seen a couple of them shows on IWTV, or seen like parts of them. I'd never watched all the way through. And uh, we brought him on. I mean, he's a nice guy, but I was just shocked at how little he knew about wrestling, and really how little he seemed to really care to know about wrestling. It's like he he lets Dylan do all the booking and all that, and he just kind of gets on online and hypes it up and talks a lot of shit and I had to unfollow him a long time ago because I just couldn't read that shit every day, day in and day out. But, uh, he's a lot, but yeah, he, he really like has no idea how wrestling works. It's real wild that, and like you said, he like doesn't have any desire to like even pretend like he wants to, mm-hmm. to understand. He's like, fuck it. I mean, I'm just here. I just like, I started running the show. I mean, I kind of knew who Sting was, but I mean, really, I didn't, like, he was booking like Kyle Matthews and all these indie guys. He'd never heard of them. They'd never laid eyes on them, you know. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. This really just like kind of fell into your lap, and you're like one of the luckiest guys, like in wrestling, like to have all this talent just kind of sitting in your locker room. And you don't, you don't know the hell none of them are, or, or what they're, you know, what it means to have them there. But yeah, uh, you know. Whatever, man. Um, but yeah, I was—I don't know. I was just kind of interested because, like, I, I haven't. Everybody else that I've talked to off the show and and on are a big part of the a big part of the roster, so they're drinking the Kool Aid. So you can't really get an honest answer. I was like, well, I'm gonna ask Sean because he was there, but it's not like you know. I know why he was there, so it's not like he's gonna have a reason. I mean, I know you're not gonna come here and bury him, but at the same time, you're gonna be like, oh yes, it's the it was the greatest experience of my life, and they've really got wrestling figured out over there, man. Like it's all because that's how everybody else is. Like it's not ran like any other show in in the world. It's 
I mean, it's it's like a mini WWE. I'm like, really, really? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Like, it seems like like there's that sheet that like kind of runs through everything. But the thing that I feel is missing, like like a meeting or like a meeting like with individual matches to like kind of because like it's easier to like per like portray it like from what I'm me telling you or like yeah. trying to explain to you what I want as opposed to just reading it from a sheet and then trying to interpret that yourself. So I think like that's what's what would be like missing as opposed to like running the Southern Honor fucking the ship more smoothly. Right. Fucking grammar words. So, you know, like I said, this Saturday night, October 30th, New South and Hartsel, you're going to be taking on Chris Crunk in a stairway to hell match. Um, suggest everybody, you know, come out and check that out. But uh, besides that, uh, what what do you see in the future for Sean Christopher? What's your goals? What's what's next? Oh, man, that's a fucking that's a rough question. Or like, <laughs> right now, especially because I've like kind of been more recently kind of figuring out like or trying to figure out like what does like what do i want out of all this like it's been that's been a question on my mind a lot lately anyways but i know that like i want to beat chris crump on october 30th for sure uh i want to get through like the rest of this year um is really just like i don't have a lot going on for the rest of the year i know there's a show uh, I have actually Friday that I haven't actually been announced for yet. So I don't know if like, well, I'm, I mean, at this point, like I should, whatever, dude, it's fucking I'm doing journey pro in Missouri on Friday. Uh, nice fucking stairway to hell match. So that's cool. Like I've never wrestled in Missouri before. So that's like a good step in the right direction because like new South's great, but like, I feel like I've kind of gotten comfortable, like too comfortable there to where, like, I just, like, I'm there all the time, and it's kind of becoming, like, what I would say, like, pro-South kind of used to be to me, to where it just yeah. seems just I'm there just because, like, I have to be there. Like, I'm just, it's kind of like a just repetition. It's not a knock on it, but it's your comfort zone. It's like. I'm just too comfortable there. Yeah. I, like, find something to, like, to break me out of the comfort zone, like, go different places. And, like, so that's really the, the big goal is to try to, like, find new places to go and like be be uncomfortable and try to get sean christopher over with like different audiences because like new south knows it they love it they hate it like whatever their opinion is on it like they have it by now so yeah so that's well, our like established that, that puts a whole nother spin on it because having the benefit of having done all this television and built the story from day one there when you come out Saturday night, all you have to do is come out and have your match with Chris Crunk because the New South audience, they know who Sean Christopher is. They know who your members of your stable are. They know why you're there to wrestle Chris Crunk. They know what your issue is. But when you go to Missouri and walk through that curtain, you've got to figure out, okay, how from the time I leave the curtain to get to the ring, and, and the bell rings. How do I let these brand new crowd of people know who I am, what I'm about, why I'm here, and what they can expect? And that is a whole, I mean, that's a huge challenge because that's a lot to tell 
in the tw- you know 20 30 feet whatever it is that's going to be you know if you get out in the ring so yeah and that to me is the fun part I'm, I'm the same way man back when i was managing and wrestling and all that shit you know pro south was fun for a long time because it was a very vocal crowd but after a while it's like man i've said every hateful thing i know to say to them they've said every hateful thing they know to say to me but to go somewhere new where when I come to the curtain, they're like, is this, I mean, he's coming out the heel side or he's coming out first. So he's got to be a bad guy. Yeah. But you know, then when you hit him with it and then they go, Oh God, fuck this guy. You know, that was like, gave me the rush whenever I went and could win over, I really went over, but make a new bunch of people hate me for a new reason. It was fun. And that's the challenge. And like you say, once once you've been somewhere for a while and you, your story's been told, it's, it starts getting challenging to make that fun or make it even interesting. It's like, oh, they already know, you know, yeah. and they already already decided they either like me, they hate me, or whatever. You know, is tonight really going to make that big a difference? And that's not to downplay your role there. I'm sure there's plenty more for you to do, plenty more stories to tell. I'm sure at some point you'd like to get a hold of that big gold belt uh, at New South, you know, but it's only going to make you a better performer to go these other places. And, you know, continue to learn how to get that character over in front of different audiences. Exactly. Exactly. So right now, that's that's the that's the big goal is to, like, try to figure out, like, who Sean Christopher is outside of New South. Like how to portray and, like, get that over, like you said, in the fucking the 45 seconds before a match that I have to, like, do that in front of a new crowd. So. That's that's what I'm looking forward to is to, like, getting getting out and doing that again. Well, I feel like you. I feel like your entrance and everything. You do a good job of that. Uh, I feel like. I mean, I know you. You know, you kind of said there's a Jesus Christ element to it enough to to lose a building over. But yeah. I've kind of, to me, I've felt like it's like a modern take on Raven in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. I don't know how much old ECW or his time in WCW watched, but he was kind of a cult leader esque type, and he had the you know the guys underneath him that. It was all about getting Raven to win, getting, you know, they would sacrifice themselves to, you know, for the betterment of, of Raven. And that's kind of how I felt, you know, how I felt, you know, the presentation of your characters was, is, you know, Sean and Braden is there to make sure that, you know, Sean Christopher, you know, gets what he needs, whatever that situation may call for. I mean, yeah, they were tag champions and stuff. And that's cool too. But, um, but that's just kind of how I take, not to say that you do anything that's, you know, ripping him off or anything. It's like, oh, well, he's doing Raven. But I'm just saying that's, it's a similar dynamic, uh, yeah. but with a completely unique take on it. And like, I definitely, as soon as like the idea even like passed that like any of this was like going to be done, like the first thing I did was I went to fucking ECW and I watched a shit ton of like old Raven. I was like, the first step was like, okay, well, I need to see like how this is done in a wrestling aspect. And then after that, it was like, I just sat in like a room for like literally like three full days and like didn't leave and just watched like cult leaders talk and like they're fucking like seeing how they acted and their mannerisms and giving their speeches and like how their followers reacted to them and like all these things just trying to like analyze how these people fucking work and like how their brains are. And then like also see like it's it's wild to see like Raven to like start out with Raven and watch him do it in like a wrestling aspect and then watch the cult leader thing and just be like, like Raven really had this shit 
like perfect. Like I could not, like I can try to add or like take things away, but like he just kind of found like the perfect fucking like blend of the two. Yeah. You can tell he did a lot of studying like that too. And Scott Levy's a very intelligent guy. If you, you know, when you watch, you know, shoot interviews and some of those training tapes he did and things like that. But um, I mean, but it impresses me that you did that, you know, that, that you didn't just study wrestling tapes. You studied, you know, cult leaders and, and people, you know, outside the wrestling bubble. Cause that to me is what really gets a character over because that's what a lot of people do is like, well, I'm going to do this wrestling character. So I'm going to study every wrestling character that did something similar. Yeah. And so they just come at everything from the wrestling side of it, or they're just like, well, I'm going to be a cult leader, so I'm going to dress like a cult leader. But they don't actually study up on how a cult leader acts, how they treat their people, how they interact with you know people. So uh, the fact that you did that, I mean, I, I applaud you for that because that it, that that work that you put in is paying off because it it never has to me come off like okay, well, this is just the Sean Christopher we're all used to dressing different and acting like something else. I mean, when, when you came out for that match at Hoss, you're like, like you said, it, it's, it felt like you were watching a new character. You're watching somebody that has, has been recreated into something different. And that's what it's been since. And so um, I can, I can tell you that the, the work you put in paid off and is continuing to pay off and uh, keep at it, man. Um, like I say, uh, to, to, to imagine I'm, I'm sitting here, the little the little ring announcer I used to pick on uh, at Pro South is sitting here with X's over his eyes, and we're talking about all the stuff that you've uh, you've done in the last couple of years is pretty wild. Yeah, it is absolutely insane that like I saw like fucking uh, Chastity, like the Pro South fan at like a Gadsden New South show like a couple months ago, and it just like hit me. I was like, this woman has literally watched my entire wrestling career like and then like gene jackson you're the first person that i literally ever interacted with like anything in wrestling at all like my first wrestling match like running or anything was dressing as a fucking super soldier and running in on gene jackson (laughs) cage match after you stole my shirt and stuck a pillow underneath it and took that picture, which I still laugh at, man. Like it's, it's all, it's, it's saved in my uh, pictures on my computer. And I was looking for something a while back and I scrolled across that picture. I stopped for for a minute laughing like that. Cause the great thing was y'all didn't tell me y'all were going to do it. I used to just leave my shirt hanging back there sometimes and I wouldn't take it with me. And I had left it back there and it couldn't come when it was Halloween. It was the Halloween show. Yeah. And I couldn't be there that week. And uh, <laughs> I'm at home and, and scrolling through Facebook. And there they post a picture of you holding the baseball bat with a pillow on that shirt, which I thought was the funniest shit ever. But then I had to come back the next week acting just enraged and come back and punch you in the stomach over it and all that, which I had that picture, too, that the selfie we took right before I hit you in the stomach. Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's what I mean, man. Like, I watched, I watched the cool shit you're doing. I'm like, man, I can't believe that's – that's the that's the kid that was the ring announcer that we did that silly stuff with you know years ago. But here we are. Oh yeah, here we are. <laughs> well, man, I wish you I wish you luck this uh, Saturday. Uh, be safe uh, in that stairway to hell match because, like I said, that reads like <laughs> this could be another highlight on the uh, Sean Christopher highlight reel or low light, depending whether you're looking at it as. <laughs> From the fan perspective, holy shit, look at that. Or the Sean Christopher's perspective, holy shit, I've got to try to get out of bed the next morning, and it's going to be a challenge. (laughs) 
So stay safe, man. Good luck and uh, keep in touch, man. You're always welcome to come on uh, anytime. Uh, I enjoy talking to you. You've always got some fun stories to tell and uh, just uh, keep keep running the roads and uh, making new ones and we'll keep bringing you back and letting you tell them on here. Man, thank you, Gene. It's always fucking, always a pleasure getting to chat with you. One of the best, one of my favorite podcasters of all time, for real. Well, I appreciate it because there's 10 fucking million of them. So, and uh, and I enjoyed your podcast you did there for a while. I wanted to get on it before you stopped doing it, but you know. Yeah, I fucking, I like, I did the heel turn and then they were like, man, you can't do that podcast anymore because like you're a spooky guy. So like you can't do that. And then like once I finally got to the point where I was like, man, I really don't give a fuck. Like I can just kind of be myself anyways because I feel like it's like so detached and like everyone kind of knows like everything. Yeah. That what's the point by the time i got there i was like you know what i thought about it i was like there are so many other like podcasters and there's so many more that are like doing it better than i would ever do but i do not need to just be like diluting the fucking the podcast that that's what makes me keep quitting well that and i just get burnt out i'll do it for seven eight months or a year and i'll get burnt out because it's yeah. a it's a chore scheduling these things every week and trying to work around everybody's schedule and there are man there's so fucking many of them but at the same time like what always ends up happening and what ended up happening this time is like i was looking through my youtube and listening to some of the old you know the old podcasts and i thought man you're like yeah there's a lot of them out there but like not really in this area so much and like you guys need somebody here to help document your stories and kind of tell your i mean because like say i mean if me and you if me and you had never done a podcast before and we just sat down and talked today, but we're going to talk probably about the same exact stuff we talked about now. I mean, we might dip back into how you got started and yeah. you know, tell me about how you started, who was your first match, all that shit. But like some of those fun stories, like the Lord Humonga story and yeah. the fucking guy, you know, with the PayPal and the pay, payoff and that kind of shit. Like those stories might not have got told, man, and those need to be documented. And there's going to be a time. And even if here's the way I look at it, and people probably call me crazy for this. But like, even if even if a bunch of fans don't listen to it or whatever, there's gonna be a time, dude, when you're 40 years old like I am. These fucking podcasts are still gonna be on the internet, and it's gonna be fun for you to go back and listen to Sean Christopher's wrestling career in 2017, 2018, and just listen to those stories. Like, oh shit, I forgot about man, I forgot about that. That's crazy, and then forward it to somebody. And if if my me doing this serves no other purpose other than that. I think it's worthwhile because there's shit I like to go back and listen to. I'm like, oh man, I forgot. Yeah, hell yeah, I forgot we did that or whatever. So it's really just documenting, you know, friends of mine because you know, every once in a while I'll interview somebody I don't really know or whatever. But mostly it's just guys like you, guys I know, guys I'm friends with, guys that you know. I mean, we're all so busy, you don't really take the time just to have a conversation on the phone. But we'll take the time to record this shit because we think somebody will listen to it, and hopefully they do. And they do. I mean, they get good downloads. I don't mean to downplay what we're doing here, but um, that's what keeps me coming back doing it, though, is just because it may not be the best podcast, or maybe five hundred other ones. But I do think we cover. It's not your usual generic of you know. God, man, I listen to some of these, and even like people I've interviewed before, I listen to interviews with other people, and the questions and shit are so generic. Like I feel like these, we just, it flows like a conversation. That even if we weren't recording right now, if me and you were just like standing in the back of the show, this is the same shit we would have talked about, you know. And so we're doing it here for everybody to listen to. So I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, like I say, this is going to come out Wednesday, and I'll tag you in it and send it 
uh, to you and uh, we'll get it out there. And like I say, don't, don't kill yourself Saturday. I will do <laughs> but like I say, hey man, your hard work's paying off. I love the character. Just keep doing what you're doing and uh, good luck in Missouri too. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy. All right, man. There he is, Sean Christopher. Like I say, he's a good guy, man. I've known him since he was uh, the young punk doing the ring announcing. So he's out there. He's recreated himself a couple of times now. And I, I like I like what he's doing. If you want to check it out, if you haven't before, IWTV, go uh, check out New, Sh- New South Action Clashes. Like you said, he's on there, you know, almost every week, either wrestling or doing a promo or his guys are out there. So check them out. And if you want to check out more of this podcast, if you want to – Add me on Facebook if you want to follow me on Twitter, if you want to add me on Instagram, if you want to go to the YouTube page where all my old podcasts are leaking. No, not all, but most of the old podcasts are. Go to genejacksonpod.com. Everything Gene Jackson related is there that you would ever want to do, and probably others you wouldn't. But anyway, it's all there. Genejacksonpod.com. Also, check out uh, Producer Smokey that, that produces this show. Also produces another podcast for a guy we all know named Whitey Jenkins. He's quite the character. Uh, WhiteyJenkins.com. You can go there. You can check out his new podcast that he just started. He's got his first episode out right now with Justin Klein from EPW. Uh, more episodes coming soon, so you can check those out at WhiteyJenkins.com. JeanJacksonPod.com. Thank you for listening again. Thank Sean Christopher for coming on the show and uh, keep checking back on Facebook and uh, jeanjacksonpod.com for our next uh, big interview here as I'll sit down one-on-one with somebody and we'll talk about some wrestling. Thanks for watching.